This is Fight Together. In this series, we explore the major themes, stories, influences, and ideas in One Piece, as well as the reverberations it has made in the real world. We do not shy away from the uncomfortable. We critique and criticize, and we explore topics that polarize. We hope you listen with open minds and open hearts. This is Episode 5, Parents and Children. Hello everyone and welcome to the latest episode of our Fight Together mini-series. My name is Zach and I'm happy to introduce our co-hosts. We have Brian Newton here from Rick and Morty. How's it going, Brian? I'm doing okay, Zach. How are you guys? Good. Doing all right. Uh, and we also have uh, from Strucci Movies, Critical Bits, and Struggle Session, Shannon Strucci joining us as well. Hey, everybody. And uh, we have lots of really awesome guests today. First, a uh, few might be familiar. We have David Bednar joining us. How's it going, David? Hey, it's going pretty good. How are you? Good. Um, we have from Crunchyroll, Dan Dockery. How's it going, Dan? Really good. Thanks for asking. Of course. The, the least I could do. Uh, we have Lauren Orsini from Forbes and uh, Anime News Network. How's it going? It's great. I'll have you know that I read a hundred a hundred different chapters of the One Piece manga in order to prepare for this show. <laughs> <laughs> That's dedication. Which which hundred? Nice. The whole cake island you said, I think? Yeah. I wanted to read the entire Big Mom arc just because it's the family episode. I would we'll talk about that. It would have been fascinating if you just read 100 <laughs> random chapters. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we also uh, have, uh, he is a artist, um, Anthony Holden, joining us. Uh, draws amazing comics and a lot more if you haven't checked him out. Uh, Anthony, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, no, thank you for coming on. I'm glad we made this work. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and uh, last uh, but not least, we also have Ashley, a.k.a. Pi, on the show. Also an artist. Uh, welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on. Uh, so today, we are here to talk all about family and what it means in One Piece and what it means to all of you. Uh, but I think I should first go around the horn and kind of see what One Piece, uh, you know, what your relationship with that series has been, where you are right now. You know, very general overview of who you are and why you are here. <laughs> so um, let's start. Uh, Ashley, why don't we start with you? Oh, I've actually been a fan of One Piece since 99. Um, wow. I had a, yeah, I had a fan. Um, I had a friend who um, was half Japanese, half American. His dad was a translator for Sony. And uh, his dad would send him the volumes and... Uh, he'd bring it over. I'm like, what, you know, this is, you know, in, in, you know, high school anime weeb. And, you know, I, I would, he would show me his, he showed me, this is the best, this is the best manga ever. And I would have him translate and like, what does this say? What does this say? And it was, I, you know, uh, I was enthralled and thought it was really cool. Um, so I've been reading one piece pretty much for over like half my life I'm reading one piece for like 20 years um more than that actually uh, it feels like um but yeah i've been 
uh, it's always been a big part of my uh, weekend routine. So yeah, I just love the series. It's my forever favorite. That's what I want to call it. <laughs> I think you may, I, I correct me if I'm wrong, someone who may know the answer, but you maybe have the record for the longest, uh, longest length fan uh, on the show. I think so. Oh, appeared. what? Yeah. Okay. yeah. If like, not, it's going to be head to head with somebody else. Yeah, I so I think the translator for One Piece, who we have on the show often, Stephen Paul, I think he started in maybe very early aughts, so he's probably the closest. When did Joey start, Joey Weiser? He was also pretty early. Yeah, I'm not sure. Probably a little bit ago. Um, so let's keep going around the horn. Uh, Anth- it's, it's insane. <laughs> yeah to be the first person on the one piece podcast we've been doing this for way too long the per- person who's been in the series the longest that's that's something uh anthony that's uh let's talk about your uh history with one piece yeah so uh not to be that guy uh but oh my <laughs> my first encounter with one piece was in december of 1998 oh whoa uh, what is I, happening? For twenty seconds, right? <laughs> but, well, I mean, so I mean, I'll do it with a with a caveat, which is that um, uh, my family had moved across the country from from North Carolina, uh, where I grew up, to to the Portland, Oregon area, um, and I was in like an, an Asian market and saw like a stack of jump comics that I think was like bound for the recycling heap. And I just asked the lady, I was like, hey, can like, can I have the, or like, are these for sale? And she's like, no, we're throwing them out. And I was like, well, can I have them? And she just gave them to me. It was like a stack of like, I don't know, probably 10 or 12 of them. And, and I flipped through and so much of, of anime and manga like looks very similar. So like when I opened it up, like I, like Oda stood out like a sore thumb to me. Um, and I remember specifically because it was the, it was like the, some of the first, um, some of the first uh, chapters that, that introduced Sanji, and so there were like those. It's that early stuff where like Oda was really in love with like extreme upshots, right? Where like uh, you'd see like you know Sanji's face in like the top corner of the frame, and it was like mostly just like black legs coming down. <laughs> um, and so like, that stuff, man, like it, it looked unlike anything else that I saw in those magazines. I was like, what is this? This is incredible. And I didn't have the benefit of having like a translator friend or anything. I just looked at the images and thought that they were totally awesome. Um, and then a couple of years later, I actually moved to Japan. Uh, but that's yeah, separate story. So yeah, like I've been following loosely one piece from about that time. Uh, and like I bought a bunch of comics while I was in Japan and have been reading it since then. Wow. Okay. Um, now there's this pressure in every subsequent person I, I go to. <laughs> Next person's like, I actually knew Oda now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am Oda. Um, <laughs> I was surprised. I don't know how he got in here. Um, we also uh, have uh, Lauren. How did you uh, get into the series, Lauren? Well, I had heard about it back in high school, but... Um, it was hard to get my hands on it. So I actually didn't start watching the show until about four years ago because now, I mean, you can get one piece anywhere. So I was watching it on Crunchyroll, and I got through, I I, I just finished up all the way through punk hazard 
before I had my daughter and then I stopped watching so much anime, but I got the Shonen Jump app on my phone. Uh, The Shonen Jump app is where it's at. It's so good. (laughs) It's fantastic. If you want to just. No one has any excuse for not reading One Piece at this point. It's literally, it's like the best comics money you'll ever spend. Yeah, 100%. It's worth it just for the one piece. And then you get like 40 other excellent comics on, on top of that. 100%. Yeah, it's $1.99 a month. We sound like we're being paid by them, which we are not. <laughs> uh, as far as I know, I'm not. But I just, I just, it is the app I've had open ever since I became a mom. Because, I mean, when my daughter was really young, I was just nursing constantly. So I have a baby in my yes. arms, one hand free. What can you do with one hand? You can read the Shonen Jump app all day. So that's yeah, you know, forget, forget those mommy and me uh, apps, you know, the what to expect you're expecting app. No, you need the Shonen Jump map. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you got a baby in one hand, Shonen Jump in the other. You're all set. Exactly. <laughs> Those are some great priorities. Um, <laughs> good. A lot of firsts today. Um, that I'm at least that I'm hearing on the show. Uh, Dan, what about you? Hey, I, uh, I started watching it in like 2008 my sophomore year college roommate zach was watching davy back fight um and uh i yeah um <laughs> that's a real weird place to jump into the series <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah i saw foxy like dressing up as like the nurse and the doctor and then luffy <laughs> being all like and you were her too and i was like this is my spirit animal all right i can watch this um and so i re watched from the beginning i actually didn't really start reading the manga until like years later when I cut up with the anime. Um, and yeah, I've been a fan pretty much ever since. And then thanks to writing for other pop culture sites an editor at Crunchyroll was like, you should come write about one piece for us all the time. And now writing about the one piece anime is like my career now, <laughs> which is weird and dumb. Oh, that's um, amazing. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it, yeah, it's it's great, but it's also like, it's I was like when I explain to people like, yeah, I just kind of write about the One Piece anime a lot. Everyone's like, oh, that sounds like a job someone should have, maybe. Um, but yeah, it's uh, no, I I love the series. Um, it's probably my favorite of all time, and I'm you know so glad to be in a position where I can just gush about it. Uh, da- constantly. yeah, it's I that's I always love being in that position, <laughs> David. Um. <laughs> What about you? Uh, so my history with uh, One Piece, uh, I, I think I've gone over it uh, uh, once before on this show, but um, it was an on-again, off-again uh, love affair uh, because all of the really good, cool artists at college were into One Piece, and I wanted to be like them. And like I remember, I remember I was I was in Jap- I was on a, a school trip in Japan when Ace died um, because I remember that people like bought that some of my friends bought the manga and then they were just freaking out so to the whole uh, country because they, shut they wanted down? to see what had happened um, um, it would probably be around like 2000 I wonder if I graduated 2011 so no, it was 2010 because I remember yeah, yeah. Oh, that was yeah. Years so, ago? so yeah so that yeah the Paramount years World. ago Wow. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's one of those like, where were you when Ace died? <laughs> yeah. In I, college, I remember. I was watching Glorious Master at my best friend's place. 
Yep. And still the jokes feel too soon whenever you see someone tell jokes about yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. like I knew it was a thing. I knew it was a really good thing. I, the problem is, is that uh, I decided I really wanted to engage with it in uh, as an anime and not as a manga. That was a mistake. Uh, so I watched it once and I got like, I don't know. I think I got like hat up through Baradier maybe. And then I was like, this isn't my, my speed. And I dropped it. And then I tried again and I got up past Arlong and then into like some filler and I'm like, this really isn't my speed. And I dropped it. And then I got like up through Skype. And this was like when I was uh, uh, back home, I hadn't got a, gotten my first job yet. Uh, I graduated college and just couldn't push through. And then my final, uh, uh, my final attempt was I had just gotten my first job. Uh, I was li living with my uh, 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 not yet, but soon to be wife. And uh, I was doing, I was doing uh, uh, commission work late at night. And I remember uh, it was, I had gotten all the way up through uh, Water 7 and it was the fight where Luffy and, it was Usopp and Luffy fighting for the fate of Mary. And I was just sobbing. I was weeping openly. And my wife came in because like, what is wrong? And I was like, he's gonna leave the crew. And she was like, David. And that was when I realized like, oh no, this is the best thing. I will love this forever. <laughs> and I've been I've been all the way uh, since then. And like I still like I'm ride or die for the dub. I think the Funimation dub is like a work of art. Um <laughs> but like since then I've gone back, read the manga. The manga is so much better. Um and like uh now I'm actually getting my wife for reasons I still don't fully understand has decided she is going to get into One Piece and we just finished Water Seven. We just started Thriller Bark last night. Uh, she is so pumped uh, to get into Brooke. Brooke said skull joke, and she laughed, like, so hard for a <laughs> minute. And so, like, we're in it now, man. The whole family is getting involved. Good. <laughs> Wait, so I'm interested, David, when you say, like, those early attempts when you're, like, it wasn't your speed, like, what was it that, that you felt like was off-putting to you? Or that, like, you couldn't get all the way invested? Oh, I think it's just the pacing. I think the the, the pacing early on in the anime is truly atrocious. And not knowing, not knowing the bounties that will come later, it doesn't feel like an investment worth making. Yeah. So, like, especially okay. like when you're getting when you're hitting like Skypea or when you're in Baradia and you're like, ah, I don't really know what I'm like. Sanji's cool, but all of like, but all of like the cook the cook stuff, like I don't know. This isn't like going anywhere. I don't. I didn't know that Arlong Park was around the corner. Mm. I was going in full blind, and. Like again, like I think it's just the pace because like it's crazy. We, I, I've been rewatching with my wife uh, the last you know month or so, and like the anime discovers pacing when it hits water seven and not a minute before then. But then it starts having like uh, and then it forgets uh, about it again, <laughs> and then it immediately forgets about it. But like it has dramatic reveals, it has tension, it has plot, it has uh, uh, cliffhangers at the end of every episode. And then it's mm. like commanding your attention so that you have to watch the next one. Before then, it'll just like, I don't know, just kind of lays around. And I think Skype is like the absolute nadir. Mm -hmm. I might, like, I just like, I know, I know for a fact that when I hit, uh, uh, what is it, Sodery? The, the, the ball guy? The oh, God. That guy? <laughs> I hit him and I was just like, nah, it's not worth it. And <laughs> he's, he's bad.
but He's a real bad man. Yeah. Um. So let's let's uh let's transition to kind of what we're here to talk about, and I guess the first question would be. Uh, how has your relationship with One Piece changed as you have become a parent and settle into that role? Anyone could take that. Uh, I, I, I'll, I can jump on this. Um, Go for it. For, for me, everything in fiction has changed. Um, I, there are things that I can watch and things that I just can't anymore. If something really bad is happening to a kid, um, my mom, I like, I, I'm a baby. I'll start crying like on the drop of a hat. I'm like, I can't, I can't like, I like there's a something on like, you know, and also the, um, I went back and when I was about to give birth to my first son, um, I went back and was rewatching, um, uh, everything from, you know, impel down to, uh, to the war, um, and stuff like that. And the, the death of ACE. And there was scenes that really affected me, like with the way Garp was looking, at mm. Ace really affected me differently from the first from versus from the first time I watched it. Um, I think I've been I'm more sensitive about the relationship of parent and child, and also I also worry <laughs> like I I worry about um, uh, like I I I see different sides of characters now. I guess that's just but that's kind of just not just uh, married to One Piece. That's an like in fiction as a whole, like news, everything, like, ev- like everything in media affects me differently now that I'm a parent. Oh man. Yeah. I feel that deeply. And there's stuff <laughs> like where, um, where, where you flash back to, uh, to Luffy's childhood and, you know, Luffy and Ace and Sabo are like growing up and like, you could see how like as, as a 10 or 11 year old boy reading that, you'd be like, Oh, this is the most amazing fantasy ever. Like, look at these kids out having like great adventures. But as a parent, you read that and you're like, these babies just need someone to love them. (laughs) Yes. And, and also after, um, you know, I've got, uh, I've got three kids. I've got a, um, I've got a six-year-old, a four-year-old and a 16-month-old and, you know, seeing the relationships between siblings and, uh, you know, like seeing, you know, even though I had a sister, I see it differently, but being a parent overlooking siblings is different than having siblings as well. And like watching, you know, Sabo, Ace and Luffy, you know, up in this mountain, you know, living with bandits, and, you know, uh, all that stuff affected me. One of the things I, one of the moments I cried hardest in the series is when Denadan is punching Garp for being upset about Ace. I was, I mean, I sobbed hard when Ace died, but I, it's not running down my nose because she saw those boys as her, as her own. Mm. And mm. I lost it just because she's so angry. Like, she's so angry in that, like, I think a lot of people think about the different aspects, but I, I think about Denadan in the situation too. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, we talk <laughs> we talk a lot about like the adopted family nature in One Piece, and that's yeah. like one of Oda's best examples. That like she was their mother, more so yes, than anyone exactly. else we know in the series. So yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Lauren, you were gonna yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was sorry. I was thinking about how it, it how the media affects Ashley differently, and I was thinking how since becoming a mom. I've started to take it like way too personally when moms in anime die because mm-hmm. before I was a mom, I used to relate to the protagonist and now I relate to the mom. So it's like, 
if I were an anime character, would my daughter go on an adventure to avenge me, and and I wouldn't even be there to see it? No, but so Brian ain't wrong. I yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, like, so like I've said, my daughter is very young, so I remember very clearly being pregnant recently in the middle of last summer. And I, I kept thinking about how Porcus D. Rouge stayed pregnant for 20 months with <laughs> Oh my god. Like you couldn't have paid me weird. to stay paid <laughs> me to stay pregnant a day longer than I was. I and mean, like by if I the end of the second trimester, you're like, why aren't you out yet? Why aren't you out? Yet? <laughs> no way. No, no, I am pregnant for years. No, I don't think so. I'm hundred percent on that. <laughs> Didn't Oda straight up say something in like an SBS or an interview that was kind of hateful about mothers and adventure? I can't. I was just trying to Google it, just about like being a mom is the opposite of adventure yeah, or something. I, like, I don't know if I misquote, yeah, but it's just sort of like his view of, of it. Yeah, he said something to which is ter- a terrible thing to say. Um, yeah. I, I'm not a parent, but I think I would be very offended if I was spoken like a true man who has no experience bearing children. I think the large. I think the larger point of it is that if he was being more egalitarian in a true sense, he'd say parents are the death of adventure, not necessarily a mother, because <laughs> what a parent is wants to protect their children. Brian, Brian, you're talking to like all parents here that I don't know if this is the right <laughs> thing. Parent thing is just a different adventure. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you're but you're looking at it from your parents' perspective, not from the perspective of your children who want to go out and yeah. come out from under you. Yeah, like, they probably won't want them to be doing what, like, Luffy and Sabo and Ace were doing and playing with tigers and pipes and stealing stuff from, (laughs) you know, random (laughs) burglars. Uh, Kind of to Brian's point, though, like, uh, one way that it's changed for me is that I, because, like, One Piece operates on, like, fairy tale logic. That's something that's come up kind of time and time again as we've been getting into these deeper issues on Fight Together is that you have to... You can't just read it as writ text. You have to kind of look at what he's trying to say. So that's why, you know, governments are all kings because it doesn't matter about the democracy. We're just talking about uh, uh, what rule is. So, and that was easier for me to do before I had kids. And now, like, when uh, uh, when I see uh, Bellamere give her life, like, die so that she can tell her children that she loves them, like on the one hand, uh, I can understand the emotional nece- necessity for that, but there's a part of my brain that says, "What are you doing? Do anything you can to protect your children. Do anything you can to uh, uh, to protect them. Throw yourself like the. You can tell them you love them after the fish man's gone. You have to be there for your kids. Right. And so, like the way I was reacting to Bellamere in that moment was very different than before the, uh, than I did before, because I was starting to, to to think about how I would actually try to keep my children alive. And I wonder if he would write that differently now that he has children. Well, and I think there's well, and, yeah. but mm. and like here's here's the flip side of that is that uh, then we got to where uh, Nico Olvia does exactly that where she doesn't say she loves uh, uh, Robin in front of the Marines because oh, she knows yeah. that oh, she yeah. can't, she can't, mm-hmm. uh, it'll get Robin killed. And I was sitting there going, mm-hmm. you're doing, she has to know that you love her. So maybe like there's a good answer. Like, <laughs> I think that uh, being a parent has just made me into a grotesque emotional mess. And I can't make any <laughs> rational. But, I mean, like you could see, you could see why for, for, 
like narrative reasons you would do that because it creates so much tension when the parent is put in that place, which is why I think that's what you're getting at with the, to your point that it's a fairy tale logic like that, which is that like, you don't have the fairy tale if your mom actually breaks down and lets you know that she loves you. Like it's a, it's a way more tragic story that takes way longer to resolve if she never says those words and you spend your whole life wondering. David, I think, I think I'm kind of getting to, I get kind of where you're coming from there. I think so. I more grotesquely cried, snot running down my nose uh, during the the Robin flashback one with Nico Olvia. Um, not just because a actual child was voicing that character in the anime, which yes, definitely added to it. But I think the Belmere and Nami connection, you're lo- is is more of one. You might have to inverse this, but more of one you would look at as a parent versus the Olvia or the reason why it's so criminal as a parent versus the mm-hmm. Olvia and Robin one um, more, I think as a child, because you're like, you want to get that love and validation from your, from your parent in, in that situation versus the other one where you're like, just do anything you can to save your child here. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I, I that. Yeah. Um, when I was a kid, when I was 14, my dad died. And so I, that was like actually when I was first really getting into One Piece when I was 13. And so, of course, that ha- stuff like Belmare dying had a bigger emotional effect on me. Mm-hmm. But it also made me kind of resentful of characters like Yesop, however you pronounce Usopp's dad's name, mm-hmm. um, for just sort of being like absentee adventuring parents. Kind of same with Dragon. Like, I know what it's like to live without a dad. And they weren't forced to do it. They made it. It was like an active decision on the part of the story. And I don't know if there will ever be like a reckoning for that from Oda or if it's just like, well, it oh, turned out okay. I hope there's You know, Usopp just watched that. his mom die. Me too. Yeah, me too. As this poor little kid, you know, and was just like the village liar and this just this miserable mess of a person for so long. So that's sort of how that um, affected me. And like Hero Look dying, I think hit me really hard, uh, mm. missing my dad and stuff. So yeah, it's the opposite end of it, I guess, uh, not being a parent. I mean, uh, it. I remember when I when I first started One Piece, I I I was at a point in my life where I really didn't know how to have a relationship with my dad that was mm-hmm. like like healthy and honest. Um, because you know he's he would, for my whole life I'd always kind of like screwed like ninety percent of the stuff I tried up, and he was like this dedicated, responsible, good at everything he tried figure. And so I look at you know people like yes up. Um, absconding and, you know, the child on their own, making their own way. And I kind of romanticize that a little bit. Um, and then and now I have a son and, you know, like, yes, I'm sure that adventure is great, but maybe like send like a postcard <laughs> or something or like Skype him back or like, yes, snail him back or whatever. That makes me the same relationship I might have with my dad where like you try, but then your dad comes through and just kind of like does it for you and you resent that. Yeah, it was, I, eventually, like, we, eventually, like, we ended up, like, having, being able to be in, like, the same room, enjoying the same thing mm-hmm. with each other, uh, through, like, pop culture and stuff, uh, and now, like, he knows what One Piece is, um, he doesn't quite understand <laughs> it, but he knows what it is, um, he took, he took a picture of me holding a big 26 chapter box set <laughs> that I got from Viz, and, like, that I'd gotten, like, because uh, uh, I was writing for the company that sent it to me. And he was like, oh, my son, he's making an anime. <laughs> um, and I was like, that's, that's, 
That's real. That's real yeah, close enough. That's yeah. adorable, though. Um, I mean, like he's paying attention, right? Like he's. Yeah. That's that yeah. is the the analog of Yasup <laughs> sending right. That's his denden mushi, right? Like, he called you and goes, yeah. "Good on you, son." <laughs> yeah, he. But now that I'm a now that I am a, a dad to an adorable, capricious eleven month old, um, it's I, like like something I never expected. Like I never expected to like Ace. Like when he first showed up in the anime in uh, the Alabasta Broke Works, it was just he was kind of like taller, hotter, like "Hey, Sunny D, Luffy," <laughs> um, and he's like gone for like two episodes, and then he keeps showing up, and everybody like talks about like Ace is so important. I'm like, I'm just not seeing it. He's around for like six minutes at a time, and then we're supposed to be grieving over him, and then he gets punched, and I'm like, I guess that's sad. Luffy thinks it's sad, so maybe it should be sad. Um, but now that I'm a dad and I've like been, I constantly have to rewatch the show for my job and I've been rereading the manga. Like when Garp is talking with him on the platform about like wasted potential and all that, I was so, I was in it just yeah. sobbing like, oh my gosh, my son, he could have potential. He has potential. <laughs> He's my ace. And, um, Oh man, there's been so many, there's been so many like father son or like mother daughter relationships in one piece that I kind of was like, okay, okay, this is great. Check my watch. When's the fight coming next? And now that like I rewatch it or reread it, like it, it's so, it hits me so hard because they're all like these big grand, no matter if they're like positive or negative, they're all these big grand dramatic gestures about like children and legacy and all that. And they hit me every single time. <laughs> there's not a single one that I can like be like, Oh, I'm not really into that one because some, I, again, like as David said, it's turned me into like this weird emotional monster. I think also like it's, uh, it's really changed the way I read all of the characters, all of the characters, um, partially because I see things in them that like I see in my, in my own son and my own daughter. So like, uh, it's, it is hard to not see my children in Chopper because Chopper is a perfect little boy. Um, it is hard, like, uh, again, last night we just started, uh, Thriller Bark and there's a scene where, uh, cause like what you have to understand is that my son loves pirates, loves Halloween, loves them. So when, when, uh, Luffy oh. is shoving food into his mouth, talking with it, with food in his mouth excitedly describing his pirate ship to a skeleton me and my wife just started like not not crying but like shaking a little he was like that that's 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 our son that if he was if he met a skeleton man he would excitedly tell him about his pirate ship like we could just feel it and like there are other ways (laughs) in which like um I never, I never picked up before, uh, and my, my wife just picked up on it inst- uh, instantly. And she's an English teacher, and she's much smarter than me, so she gets the stuff immediately. But like the way that Sanji is so maternal to the uh, to the crew, like we're you know again, like it's a it's a found family. They have they're a family, and they fill in different roles. Sanji's the mom, and you know, in like these very very specific ways. She, he is always looking out for them. He is always planning their meals. He is always caring for them in ways that uh, uh, stick out from, from the rest of the crew, even like, uh, uh, which is really interesting because like the, you would think that those qualities would be, especially given the, the, the sort of uh, gender politics of Oda, like they would be uh, uh, denoted for a female character, but 
you know, Robin and uh, Nami, they just do their own thing. Uh, uh, they don't have to worry about that stuff, but it's, it's Sanji who is fretting about how many supplies they have. Sanji who's... Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, well, and like, and then Zoro is, Zoro's not just the dad in that he needs to ask for directions uh, and he's kind of grumpy and he sleeps a lot, but like... <laughs> but he doesn't. <laughs> uh, the way that he is always looking out for Chopper and the way that he's always trying to teach Chopper how to be a buff manly man when he, uh, uh, like, I think it's changed in, uh, changed slightly in the uh, the anime, but like when he gives his, uh, when Chopper has to stay in the Davy back fight, and uh, Zoro gives like this big speech about like why he has to stay, why he has to stay in his seat, and then Chopper sits down. Zoro literally just goes like, "That's my guy," and I'm like, "Oh, he's the dad." But uh, you were gonna say, uh, 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 Ashley. <laughs> I was uh, just um, chiming in about 100% agreeing. Uh, Sanji is definitely very maternal. Um, I remember the scene in Skypiea where Chopper um, gets scared about something and uh, he goes hides behind uh, Sanji's leg and Sanji just puts his hand in his head like 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 a toddler hiding behind their mom. And I remember thinking that was the cutest thing. I'm like, oh, I love Sanji. He's the best boy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I, little I, stuff like that is so cute yeah. like i love little notes like that and I, I like that you know sanji who's such a you know flamboyant you know girl crazy guy oda still takes time to add that to his character and i it's so good I, I i that's a little bit of a gender breaking role so I, that's something i always appreciated and well, and it's, it's also one of the things that's valuable about the way that oda has crafted the crew is that like you know if you if you like if you go full-on avengers where everyone is powerful and an amazing hero like you don't have those moments of weakness which is why mm -hmm. it's great to see characters like chopper or Usopp, or like, or like, even Nami is like sometimes afraid to battle, right? Uh, and like, you get to see a little bit of that every man because like, there's somebody that's you know in in your boat that is you know a worthy ally and who you love and respect, but who also needs your protection sometimes. Um, they all, and like, one of them needs each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it creates interesting dynamics. You know, that's why it's like whenever yeah. someone, you know, whenever someone new appears in the mon manga and everybody's like, hashtag so-and-so for crew. I'm like, but dude, that this character may have been enter entertaining, but how does it serve the crew as a whole? Like Jinbei definitely serves the crew as a whole, you know, like <laughs> that's, you know, how does this fit into this family? So He's that's uh, that's something I really find important so. yeah i always go back to luffy's speech during arlong park he's like i can't lie i can't cook like yeah he's the strongest person but that doesn't matter it's like having a well-rounded family yeah. of people around you rather yeah. than yeah it's like you look at like a art rpg stat block for people and <laughs> they all need to have like well-balanced <laughs> stats that's a perfect way of putting it yeah yeah it's it's like when you you brought up the avengers and it's kind of like when every character is like a gung-ho we got to save the planet personality you end up with like the hawkeye conundrum where like one of them inevitably sucks more than the other and like um in one piece it, since they all like balance each other out with all these different kinds of like what they're good at who they take care of um and all that you never like worry about like oh this is the straw hat that like kind of sucks mm -hmm. because they're yeah, yeah they all fit in together they're all they all fit into like the puzzle in that the, is the straw uh, hat anime piece. there's actually one episode where zoro's talking to chopper specifically when they're lost in the uh, alabasta desert and it's one of the things where i'm like i wish this was in the the manga where he's 
uh, Chopper's just on the crew for the first time, and he's asking Zoro about why is the crew dynamic so, like, individualistic. And Zoro kind of talks to Chopper and says, like, well, we'll pull it together when we need to, but our individualism is also what gives us our strength. And considering how much Zoro and Sanji fight, like, uh, I think David was mentioning <laughs> how, like, Sanji's maternalistic, but then definitely Zoro, in this case, is the paternalistic uh, character. So he's, mm-hmm. like, the moral compass, while Sanji's the one making sure everyone's needs are met. And Zoro's the one telling you to suck it up. <laughs> you know, like, during Davy Backfight, he very directly is like, stop crying. Right, and, <laughs> and, and certainly thereafter with the fight between Usopp and Luffy, where he even had to check oh, Luffy. Oh, yeah. And it's like, look, this is what it means to be the captain. It's like, Zoro will tell you those hard truths. Yeah. yeah, it's so good. And that's, it's one of the reasons why Usopp is like one of my favorite characters because everybody has those family members. So like I have four children and their personalities are very, very different. Um, and there's definitely like those ones where you're like, um, I mean, like you see like Usopp is like, he, he is on a crew of monsters and like, you know that like in his heart of hearts, he's thinking, how did I get on this boat, right? (laughs) Everybody else is so insanely powerful and you get to see him be that every man. And like when he has his moments of victory, like when he puts on the mask and gets to be Soge King um, and he gets to be legitimately rad and like burn the world government flag, like tears every time. Mm. I also love the I'm always negative thing. Uh, in Thriller Bark, that's yeah. one of my favorite Usopp yeah. moments. He's like, I, you can't bring me down. I'm already down I, on myself all the time. I feel <laughs> that in my it's bones. Amazing. That's how I feel. I do too. Is every artist yeah. ever. Like, <laughs> I know I'm trash. What else do you have? Like, it's, it's it's our strength. You can't bring me down. <laughs> no. Well, and even like, um, so Usopp Usopp is terrible in in combat, uh, but again, like he's he is for a long time the emotional heart of that of the crew. And I think that that kind of moves over to moves over to Chopper, both as uh, Usopp gets a little stronger, and also because like Chopper baby. Um, but like whenever there is a piratey thing going on, it's Usopp that uh, kind of understands and translates what's what's going on with Luffy. So like when they see the uh, uh, the Elbaf giants fighting on Little Garden, he's the one that explains like, no, 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 this is a warrior's battle. They're doing it for honor. They have to do this. I want to be like that. And that's how Luffy is too. Um, like I always think of Usopp as the pirate after Luffy's heart. Um, but there's also like his greatest, he works a piece of magic in the story. That's never explained. He, because he, uh, it's Usopp's love for the Mary, his tireless devotion to this thing that is constantly on the verge of breaking down that summons the Klobouter man and keeps the ship floating. And that rescues them in in Annie's lobby. Like that is a piece of actual magic in the sh- in the show. Well, Not science. Yeah. You also consider yeah. You also consider who Usopp's based on, which is Aesop Fables, and the fact that he mm-hmm. is the storyteller in a way. He is the scribe of one mm-hmm. Piece. Mm-hmm. in a very mm-hmm. real sense. The fact yeah. that his lies are becoming true in some capacities. So, and I think, it, but I, I think like it's it's really interesting that like a lot of times the things that Usopp, even even burning the flag, that's not combat. But that is right. That is still like, but it's super but rad. It's, it's, it's yeah. And it's like it is a it is the watershed moment. Like <laughs> it's funny because like in in Annie's lobby, they destroy Annie's lobby. They burn it to the ground. But the crime that the Straw Hats are blamed for is burning the flag. Usopp does the worst thing. Like Usopp's actual actions, non-combat, are the defining actions. Like I think that's super cool. 
That's mm-hmm. so well written. I, I, I something that always stuck yeah. out for me too is how well um, Oda has made a character that's not physically strong be so. I mean, he's got Usopp. You know, <laughs> he's his bounty <laughs> is so incredibly high for a reason now. So, even though it's supposed to be comic relief, but it also he's he's very impactful. So, yeah. why don't we flip this on on its head a little bit? Um, how has one One Piece influenced you in parenting, if it has at all? David, go ahead. Yeah. He's like this is this is kind of a hard question, uh, both because like it is. if you had you came a up with clear it, answer, you'd be a real nerd. Um, but uh, if we're all real nerds here, David. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think if it's influenced the way that I parent. Um, some of it comes through in just the raw humanism of the story because there's there's a quality to one piece almost better than any actual other piece of media I've read that pushes you to take people uh, uh, at their own face value and to look for the good in them. There, is, there are very few straight evil fit people in one piece and when they are straight evil, like it's real clear. And I think that actually serves you pretty well in the real world and that most people are pretty good and then the people that are bad are truly bad. Um, I think that has, if I've taken anything away from One Piece and that I, I hope to take out of One Piece and put into my children, it's that sort of curiosity and hopefulness towards people and places and and adventure. Like I hope, whenever my son has an adventurous streak and he wants to go around another uh, uh, turn to see what's under a rock, I always get a little thrill in my heart. Like I always try to look for the Luffy in my son. If that's weird, uh, like that, that sounds kind of goofy, but like, it's, it's true. Like I want, I want him to be adventurous and uh, uh, to go and do new things. Yeah. I, I've, when I was younger, before I had a son, actually, I related to Usopp really, really hard. And now I, uh, I relate to Luffy really, really hard because like, I don't think Luffy would be like the best parent, but like, he's a loud, like redneck kid that likes (laughs) sleeveless shirts and I get it. This sounds very specific. he likes, (laughs) yo, sleeves suck. They're not good. We could have a um, discussion about that later. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. But um, he's uh, he's so like he openly stands up for his friends, and he openly talks about how much his friends mean to him all the time. He openly sobs in front of his friends like these big Tobey Maguire Spider Man tears, just constantly. And he's so good about it, and I I can feel that, and it's almost kind of something that I want to pass on. To my son, like this need to like, okay, stand up for the people that you love. Don't, don't be aloof about how much you care about them and maybe cut the sleeves off of some shirts, you know, (laughs) be kind of cool. But, but like that kind of thing, it's uh, Luffy is, I don't know if Luffy is, I can't say that Luffy is like a great role model, but there's aspects of Luffy that if I watched my son do something like that, like you said, David, I would be so like, he's 11 months old. He's just kind of getting out of the stage where he's like a stinky potato. <laughs> and now he's actually crawling around and climbing up on stuff and trying to like doing his Baba Baz and Mama Ma's thing, um, which it's is the best. But, 
and it's he's so good i dean i love you um if you're listening to this somehow 10 years um, from now but if yeah if i if i saw him embody some like luffy-esque traits i would be so i would be so proud of him because luffy you know he has a for as wild and naive as he is sometimes that kid uh has got some really great <laughs> stuff going on hot take kind of cool um so, you know, um, mine's kind of, I guess it's kind of a weird segue, but it kind of goes line. Um, well, obviously, uh, um, I, you know, I, I play one piece in front of my kids, um, since they were very little. Um, but I actually always watch the subtitle version because um, I like reading subtitles, but, um, a side note, having subtitles on at a very young age, um, even if it's another language, they're seeing the letters go by and some, you know, when they were younger, I would read out, you know, if, if they were curious about something, I would, you know, read, what did that say? What did that say? And read out the text. Um, but my, um, my six-year-old, well, before he was six, he was actually, because of us always having text and everything we watch, he became a very, very early reader. He was reading some, he was reading, started reading small, you know, sight words by the time he was three. And now he's, he's six and he's reading at like a third, almost fourth grade level. And I think a lot of it has to do with us, you know, always, whenever we had TV on, we've always had subtitles and, you know, even when we're watching TV, we're reading, son. Exactly. (laughs) You know, uh, but you know, when he's been, you know, he, you know, he's watched us, uh, he's watching, um, He's watching me watch one piece and he gets scared about something. I'm like, don't worry, baby. You know, Luffy, uh, you know, Luffy's a good person. He'll find a way to get out of this problem. Um, he's very strong, you know, and, you know, he liked Luffy a lot, you know, when he was, you know, he was almost two, you know, the right before he turned two, he was Luffy for Halloween. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, just, just. I think this is had to go with just about like once again going back anything of fiction. You show good characters in front of your kids that have good morals and um, that aren't one hundred percent perfect, but still find a way to try to do the best thing. I think that is most important thing to do as a parent is just show that you know people can grow and people can do good things no matter who you are and where you come from. So and one piece is you know the embodiment of that, like all these different people from different parts of this insane world coming together and finding a way to, to be their best. So, so that's, that's, I guess, I don't know if it's necessarily for one piece, but it's, it's a good example of it. If you're an anime, if you're an anime fan and you have kids, one piece is not the worst thing in the world to show your kids. <laughs> as long as it's subtitled. Dub is really good, but I just, I, you know, I started with the sub and I just, uh, you know, I, I love, I also watch the sub of Dragon Ball. So I hear Luffy. I also hear Krillin, you know, so. yeah. <laughs> which is amazing that my kid picked up on that. Uh, my son asked, why did Krillin sound like Luffy when we were watching super? And I'm like, Oh, look at that. <laughs> so I was impressed. <laughs> uh, so I, the, I, I also then wanted to ask, um, I, I think Ashley kind of segued into this. So when do you, when is the earliest you can introduce your kids to One Piece? At what point, uh, if if your kids have watched it or read it, you know, and what has their experience been with it? And, and when did you oh do boy, it? Oh boy, I've thought about this one. Well, because you gave us the questions in advance. But actually, my kid is also 11 months old. So it's going to be a long time before I introduce her to One Piece. I mean, 
One Piece has a lot of really good themes for kids, like friendship, loyalty. Um, but, you know, there's also there's also a lot of violence. There's the proportions of the female characters. And, and there's a few aspects of Oda's humor that yeah. I I would uh, hesitate to show her too early. But really, the, the, the real reason that I hesitate to show One Piece to my daughter is that I feel like if I talk up One Piece or any anime she's going to think of it as that uncool thing that mom and dad like if I encourage it even a little. <laughs> she has to want to get into it herself or maybe even think she's rebelling. Be like, I'm going to watch this thing one piece. You wouldn't even approve. I'm like, oh, yeah. I don't approve. But secretly be excited. There was a line it- I, I remember from Anthony Bourdain where he said, you know, I don't tell my kids to eat something because it tastes good. I just show how delicious it is and i just try and eat it you know and and express like how it makes me feel and then they're like oh i want to try that that looks good I that's, that's exactly that's exactly yeah. how it was um you know we my husband and i would just have it on and you know while the, you know the kids you know the kids be going back and forth playing in their playroom or something like that and you know they would you know they would come in and see it you know obviously if there was something that was violent going on we pause and exit country roll out or something but if there's just you know hijinks on you know hijinks on the sh- on the sh- on the ship or you know stuff like that you know we, it's, it's fine um obviously i wouldn't sit my two-year-old down and it's like all right you're gonna you know you're gonna sit here and watch all the violent scenes but um i also don't believe in uh um i think a lot of the times that like a lot of kids media is um, watered down, like, can you say cat? Cat. And I'm like, kids are a lot smarter than parents give them credit for. Um, so I, I'd leave it on, um, but it, I wouldn't, you know, you know, sit there, you know, replace, you know, <laughs> like replace like Caillou or, mm-hmm. you know, Super Wings or any of those kids shows <laughs> with, with Bumpies, but it's good to have on. Um, but, you know, obviously every parent knows their limit and knows also you need to know what you, your limit of what your child is scared of too. I think that's just something that's individual per child. Like some kids, certain stuff they can handle. Um, and, and they're interested and I don't, um, but there are also cases like, you know, like I wouldn't show, I wouldn't like watch like <laughs> Inuyasha in front of my kids. Cause they're, they're probably not ready for that. I wouldn't watch like, I definitely would watch like attack on Titan or something like that in front of my kids, you know, but with one piece, if it's at a funny moment, I don't mind showing them, but if it's like, you know, something's like, I would, was a little, I like, I didn't want him watching the fight between Luffy and Katakuri because I thought maybe he'd be scared of it. Even so, you know, like, like you just, just little stuff like that. Um, uh, you know, every parent knows their child's limit. I think if they're in tune, you know, I'll say the, uh, the deciding factor in our house has been, uh, we severely limit screen time, which like to my kids is super unfair because like for work, I'm like, I constantly have stuff on in my office and I work from home, even from like before pandemic times, I've worked from home for a long time. And so like, I've always got something on. They're like, dad gets to watch so much TV. <laughs> but like for them, it's like, you know, if they've done all their chores and stuff, they get to watch, you know, one show or play like, you know, 20 to 30 minutes of video games for a day. And so for them, like, like I haven't shown them any one piece yet. Um, but that's largely due to the fact when they're like, it's screen time. Like they have to pick something that they can all agree on. So it's usually like 
Rapunzel's Tangled Adventure or uh, they've actually been super into Pokemon, so like that's fun. But like, it's mostly just because of like our limited screen time in our house. They're like nobody has expressed an interest in watching it because they know they only have twenty minutes to watch something. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I. So like I said, I've got a, uh, I've got a, see uh, uh, three, four, I've forgotten. Times all gone together. Um, that's twenty. Jesus. Uh, so I've got a four-year-old son, and he loves pirates. He loves pirates so much. It has been so difficult to not just like say, "Here's One Piece," the thing that Daddy loves that has pirates all over. But it's it's it's. Uh, but like you know, for a four-year-old, it's kind of a lot. Um, and it's weird too because like where you start with One Piece, and especially thinking about it, I think I've been thinking about it like an adult instead of like a child. Because I keep thinking, like, well, you got to start at the beginning. But you know what happened? What's in the beginning of One Piece that isn't in the rest of One Piece? Guns. There's a lot of guns early in One Piece, and then eventually, yes. guns become the least effective yeah, way to fight, and so then they go away. Um, yeah, nothing with guns are a lot. No, no. Yeah, way. exactly. And Not so, enough. would that it were in real life? Uh, we all eat uh, devil fruits and throw away our, our guns and just have stretchy fists. But um, uh, uh, <laughs> that does sound great. Uh, it's it's tricky for us to think of a good entry point for One Piece for our son. And actually, uh, mm, yeah. the thing of One Piece that he has seen are the Chopper Man specials because those are just mm. those are just you know. The, the same characters that he knows, like he has a chopper t-shirt that I got him because I couldn't resist. And like, so he's like, oh, it's not a t-shirt. And uh, so the Chopper Man special, we showed him because it was super cute. Uh, we've also, um, I have the Color Walk collections and those have been a really good way to like kind of introduce him to One Piece because the illustrations there, you don't need any context for. And by and large, there's nothing, there's nothing too untoward sometimes they get a little you know horny but like by and large it's just like animal fun time and so he yeah so when he, he doesn't call it one piece he says oh it's the silly pirates if he catches me watching he's like oh hey it's silly pirates and you know what that's how we should all think of one piece yeah. yes it is son. yes it <laughs> yeah, is I, yeah i feel I'm, I'm actually glad you brought up the the chopper stuff so I, I think that's what i actually i think that's like the only thing that i ever sat down and put on the TV for them, like directly minus like my husband and I having it on and then getting out of bed and watching it and like, okay, you know, boop, 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 okay, I'm time to go back to it, pow, 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 pat, pat, pat in the back and stuff like that. Um, Chopper Man was a really good one. The kids love that. And, and, and we did that, I remember when we were young, we're trying to find something, this is before like, French before um, Crunchyroll had a lot of stuff for kids or anything like that. You know, we on Hulu had the Rock Lee um cartoons too so like we tried to find like like why does mommy's cartoons look so different than you know the cartoons that we have <laughs> which is kind of hard for them to explain that yeah my mom watches <laughs> cartoons and all the time so <laughs> uh, but yeah but that, i wish they'd put the chopper man stuff on dvd i'd love to have those for my kids man yeah <laughs> i think the one special is i'm trying to there's remember because there, there was one up there was one that was an episode at least I yeah know. there's there's a short at the end of one episode and then there's a whole yeah. episode and those are both at least streaming on funimation um yeah it's we've been thinking about maybe someday like sitting them down and watching through long ring long land because that's that's low stakes 
there's 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 not a lot wrong go, <laughs> going on wrong with the the foxy pirates and he's already like a big scooby-doo kid so like that's that's Hanna barbera stuff um so yeah but you can't go near all the hancock territory with children no <laughs> Gotta gotta steer clear of those waters. Um, <laughs> man, I it's, it's it, but yeah, it's it's it's. And I think as he gets older, like you know, once we cross like that that Star Wars threshold, because it's coming, it's coming. I'm waiting until. He- <laughs> what year is the Star Wars threshold? When does that? I'm trying to remember when I first five. saw five. That yeah. early? <laughs> well, I oh, saw man, it when that's I was so in high young. Well, here's the thing. I I'm I'm gonna be the worst parent. Uh, I saw RoboCop when I was like four or five years old. Like my, I watched it with my dad, who's also a cop. And he, sorry. What were you gonna say? And so, you know, like you know, growing up as kids, like all of our cartoons were based off like horror movies and stuff. We had like right. attack. We have Toxic Adventure cartoon. We had <laughs> you know, GI Joe. Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, Beetlejuice, like all of I like mm-hmm. all of our cartoons were based on films that were not meant for us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there because the rules and standards of what was appropriate children's television was different from when we were growing up. And I'm not going to be one of those like, well, I I watched all this stuff, so I'm fine now. Like that's garbage. But like I I've always been on the and, and like me and Anthony and I like produce cartoons so we kind of have a different perspective on this but like i've always been under where i I started off in cartoons i'm in games now so yeah i I understand okay yeah so you get me along all right yeah definitely i agree with you yeah yeah but like uh the 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 standard i've always operated under is like if it's acceptable to tell a child and they understand and i also agree with the fact like different kids have different things they're scared about because like I love Pee-wee's Big Adventure. It's like still one of my favorite movies. But every time like a scary scene show up, I'd leave the room. But then I'd come right back once the scary scene was out. And mm-hmm. uh, but like, there's no way I'd like. I love RoboCop too. I just couldn't stand the scene where Murphy gets his body blown off. That, but like Star Wars is another example. I hated Empire Strikes Back as a kid because the good guys lost. Mm-hmm. Now, but once I hit 13, I'm like, this is the greatest movie ever. But I would still watch the other Star Wars movies and say I still enjoy those adventures. And I think it's it's a weird thing because I again I don't have children and I'm going to be the worst dad. I already committed myself to that. But I have the agenda. <laughs> it's that a I'm choice. Going to, yeah, it's definitely a choice. I have the agenda <laughs> that like I'm going to start. I'm already off, committed to being the worst dad. Quote, that is a quote from Yasop, I believe. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to like I'm going to have my my son or daughter the second they turn three. I'm throwing them in the forest so they get stronger. But uh, <laughs> I, I'm going. I'm going to in the woods. Garp. Yeah, I yeah. And and Piccolo. But uh, and Piccolo. Yeah. Piccolo. Yeah. He was a dad. He went right. That's there. the really like, funny thing. Well, he did some. He was not great to Gohan at the. He band. left him alone for like six months. Yeah, everyone's yeah. like, "Oh, Piccolo's such a good dad," and I'm like, oh, "He's he's better than Goku." Yeah, I, come on. I mean, like in uh, in Brotherhood, Izumi Curtis even only left those kids on the island for like three weeks, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> She's a great mom. But, like, uh... Something is something happening in Japan that I should know about, or kids being left in the woods for long but periods I, of time. But I think that goes back to the earlier point about like uh, parents being the death of adventure. Uh, 
But uh, <laughs> what I, I want to no, do... No, it sounds like... It sounds like... I'm sorry. It sounds like parents are actually the spur of adventure if they're throwing kids into the forest all the time. Ooh, go ahead, ooh, the black chickens. <laughs> there you go. Yes. I mean, well, I mean, all these issues that the One Piece characters often have are kind of like representative of how their parents raised them or what impressions their parents or even foster parents left behind. Uh, but like what I want to do with my kids, I want to read them, like read to my children and I want to start with Dragon Ball and I'll do like maybe a chapter a day. And of course, like the nudity and like the funky stuff, I'll probably have to put that in context because I want kids. I want, first off, I want to know what they like and what they don't like. And if they see things (laughs) are like racially motivated or sexually motivated, I also want to be the one to explain that to them first and say, these are why these things exist. And just like, if you have any questions, talk to me, talk to your mom or talk to like another trusted adult. I, I don't think you should be putting yourself in the USOC camp because I think that's good parenting. Like <laughs> 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 um, like one of the early things you read to uh, my kids is um, remember in the the early '90s the Mario comics that were in the back of Mario Power and um, the Absolutely, Nintendo Power. Yes, that's what I read. <laughs> the best. Yeah, I I read I've read that to my kids and now my my son grabs it off the shelf and reads it to himself all the time. That's what we, one of the things, early reader things we just, you know, besides, you know, Goodnight Moon and all the classics, that's uh, when they got to the point where they were understanding uh, cohesive stories more, we'd read that to them. And we would, I mean, that that's maybe not watching One Piece is the best thing. So maybe kids start off reading One Piece and, you know, or, uh, you know, if once they get to the point where they're actually interested, it's like, hey, why don't you guys read it together as a whole? That, but maybe wait till they can fully grasp some of the themes i wouldn't recommend like sit down i mean i like i want to make it clear i wouldn't have my four-year-old sit down all right now you're gonna watch ace die you know? yeah it's 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 like one piece is <laughs> the part where he gets a anyone. hole punched through his chest <laughs> yeah yeah, exactly. I, yeah i would say one piece is like way too advanced for anyone under like nine for sure especially early, yeah. even early one piece but like yeah. dragon ball's lighter it's like it's silly like big broad characters and they punch each other a lot and like yeah, and, and again we grew up i grew up in the 80s so like most of my cartoons were violence and action people shooting at each other's like very good good guys bad guys clear stakes and i think like david mentioned earlier like one of the better aspects of one piece is the fact that there's no like pure evil character like they're yeah and like yeah. all the conflicts come through circumstances and people's ideology and that's really and even like and like smoker pops up and you're like man I don't want him to catch the Mugiwara. Like, I don't want him to catch the Straw Hats, but, like, he's not a bad guy. No, he's just he's doing just his job. Right. Yeah. He's one of my favorite characters. Like, yeah. yeah. yeah well, and as opposed to, like, you know, other Navy officers that you're like, oh, like, Akainu, yeah, you're a bad dude. You're just bad. And, yeah, and then there's also characters like Wapple, who's, like, a spoiled, rich a brat and you can talk to a kid about like remember that kid remember you talk to your kids like you know that friend you have who won't share their toys and it's mean everybody in the play playground that's wobble yeah, just make sure it's like don't go call him a wobble yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that sounds like a great thing to call a spoiled kid on the playground. <laughs> he's being a real wobble right now <laughs> No, I I think about this. My son is again eleven months old, and so like mm-hmm. the only thing he's really watched is Mickey Mouse Playhouse and like the hot dog dance. Um, oh yeah. Oh, live that life. Oh yeah, it's so love it, love it. I'm but, so um, out of the loop with the hot luck, dog good dance. Good luck when they get to Baby Shark. <laughs> but uh, you know the Frankie I dance. Think about safe territory. You can show them that. Yeah, 
and the newest funky dance for for yeah. those caught up. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I, I think about what like when I'm going to show him One Piece like all too often, um, and. Uh, it's so like like as you said um, as Brian said like Dragon Ball has some like real like landmines like the like the first like fifteen or so chapters has a joke with Goku patting Bulma in a certain area and it oh, does yeah. not let up on that joke it does that joke like every other page oh, yeah it's real hard to explain too <laughs> Tori Toriyama had has one joke in those first fifteen chapters and is that yeah. and he loves it um, <laughs> yeah. so I'm not. I'm not quite sure what I'd show him, like Dragon Ball, but like when it comes to One Piece, I I feel like I'm just gonna have to like let him discover it because I can't be like aloof about my love of it. I can't be like, eh, One Piece, it's kind of cool. He's gonna look at like the two thousand volumes that Oda's still writing at that point <laughs> and think like, yeah, Dad, you still you you're not really into One Piece, huh? But I feel like it's just going to have to be like one of those things where I have it around. I don't make a point to like show it to him or like watch it anywhere. He's just going to have to like, if he finds it, he finds it. And like, see, I I'm, hope trying he does. To, I'm trying to like, uh, analogize it with, with my, you know, childhood. And my dad was always a huge Star Trek, original Star Trek fan. Um, and I didn't get super into Star Trek when it, until I was older, and it was the newer ones, like TNG, DS9, Voyager, and that's as new as it gets. Uh, but, you know, I, I think you could still, you know, if you have a love of something, I think, you know, as you, your relationship with your parents uh, mature... You know, it could, it might not be One Piece, it might be One Piece Kai or whatever it is in 2030 <laughs> or 2040. We talked about that before because, like, I love Star Trek because of my mom, too, for the same reason. Yeah. Like, I saw Voyage Home in theaters because she took me to go see it. But when oh. Next Generation started happening, we watched that together. I watched a lot of uh, sitcom shows with my mom, like Frasier, Seinfeld, and all those things. Yeah, I, well, and like, <laughs> look at us. Uh, 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 all imagining that we can control our children's yeah. lives. Exactly. Like, that's another thing. That, like, <laughs> the other day, our the other day, my son said, "Like, uh, uh, we, my wife was taking uh, the kids out to go to the store, and he said, all right, let's set sail for destiny.' And it's like, oh no, he's been watching one piece over our shoulders." <laughs> um. So, in as much as we can affect the course of our children's lives, we we can try. But like, if there's one message, if there's one message in, in, in One Piece, it is that the dreams that your children carry on are not necessarily the dreams of their parents. That they will go out and find other people who will influence their lives. They will go out and find their own adventures and live their own lives. You know, one of the things that I keep coming back to is that Ace is the, uh, uh, Luffy has the dream to be the King of the Pirates, but he's not the son of the King of the Pirates. And the son of the king of the pirates didn't have uh, 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 just wanted to go off and have a family, uh, like the dreams that our par- that uh, uh, we as parents have won't necessarily go on to our so the, the, the intentions that we have for our children don't necessarily carry down to our uh, our children. So the and lesson the so- lesson I'm getting from you, David, is we should influence each other's children, and, and not our own children because <laughs> they won't listen to you, but they may listen to your parents' friends about what to read. It takes a grand line to raise a child. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I really do think, though, David, to your point that, that 
uh, one of the most valuable things that you can do as a parent is to help your child find what that is and like, and cheer them on. Right. Like, I'm not yeah. here to tell you, like, I'm not here to tell yeah. you what your red line or what your grand line is, or like whether you're looking for the all blue, but like, if you know what you want and like, and I think this is like in large part, what's frustrating to children is that they see adults who seem like ha they have it all together. So like my eldest son is in, in uh, middle school right now. And it's that transition phase of like I don't even know what I want out of life and I'm like dude that's a, that's okay like you're you're not that old yet like you have so much it's time to figure baby. that out so yeah. like, um, not knowing is totally fine but guess what like when you when you find out what that is like I'm gonna support you to the ends of the earth right like I'm not gonna try and tell you and they say you know oh like I want to be a cartoonist like daddy I'm like no like you just you just think that my job is cool because that's like the only job you've ever seen an adult do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but like when you find yeah, out everyone thinks you know, when you find out what most Come adults on. do you're going to be running for the hills um, but but yeah like when you find out what you really want to do with your life man like let me know what that is because like i will i'm all about getting behind you and like and and helping you row that boat yeah it's yeah I, brian brian is correct though everyone thinks your job is cool anthony that's not just your kids <laughs> yeah Oh, my kids, since my husband and I both make video games for a living and my son really likes video games, like I joke because his obsession with Kirby, specifically Kirby, he does not care that Kirby is a little, you know, uh, but he does not care that Kirby is this little pink ball, like gender roles be gone with him. He loves Kirby. Kirby, he thinks Kirby is, quote, a strong baby and he loves Kirby. <laughs> um, <Fair. laughs> so, you um, can't gloss over that. That's so cute. <laughs> yeah, he's, he is adorable. He thinks Kirby's the best. Um, you know, uh, uh, I like, you know, I've made Kirby birthday cakes the whole, the whole nine yards. But my kids just assume that every mommy and daddy makes video games. And so, and so I'll be working um, I'll, oh, and that we can just make video games out of everything. He'll, he'll go. So mommy, um, cause I'm working on a title. So are you going to work on Kirby next? I'm like, no baby, my company that I work for doesn't make Kirby games. And he doesn't understand that. So like, <laughs> so, so kids are going to choose what they're, you know, they're going to choose whatever they want to choose. Um, you know, he's had moments where he said he wanted to be a taxi cab driver. And I'm like, why? He's all, cause they make the most money. And I'm like, <laughs> I think he saw Crazy Taxi and just went with it, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> oh, I thought he was but, a fan of uh, the 1970s sitcom Taxi with Danny DeVito and Christopher. Right. <laughs> no, I, I I don't think that's uh, been on any streaming networks that uh, could be watching me monitor what he watches pretty hardcore. So I don't think he's that. I think he's, I think yeah. it's because he's he went to Crazy Taxi. No, it, it it's actually kind of brilliant because children relate to the world in a very simplistic way that way they just see because like when we take a taxi they get money and just like there's money that's the job because like our jobs how we make money is so abstract <laughs> but yes. a taxi like a direct vendor you'd say the same thing about like a grocery store worker like they get money and that's money yeah yeah <laughs> Uh, but you know what as long as he's happy and safe that's you know that's every mama and daddy's wish is you know at least i hope as long as they're happy and safe that's all i care about is you know if he wants to be a taxi cab driver rock on um so. <laughs> to be so fair we, we talk about how yasup is uh not the best <laughs> father but he does he does seem invested at least in um 
Usopp's journey because I the little we see of him, which isn't much mm-hmm. again, but he seems to and care he, about that. Yeah, I mean, he was you know when he did cross Luffy's past, he was like, oh, I have a son your age. It's like you knew that. <laughs> shocking yeah well in many ways it's very different from like uh do y'all read hunter hunter at all i love yes yeah yeah, um yeah golan's dad who's like also an absentee father but in like a Mm -hmm. in like a i see how i see how from like the narrative perspective like what you're trying to do is create like an aspirational thing a a reason for gone to leave right i'm gonna go find my dad but like there is no indication that jane has like reached out to him at all yeah so that is like a japanese culture thing of the absentee father like i i'm familiar with like earthbound whereas like Mm -hmm. the dad's just on the phone i'm i'm reading a book called pure invention by matt alt and he talks a lot about like uh, like salaryman kind of fathers where they go early in the morning and they come back late, late, late at night. And like the kids with the wives, like barely see them. Um, and how like for decades, that was like an aspirational figure. That was the job you wanted. You want to be a salaryman. Um, and it's, you know, I, maybe that has something to do with it. My, you know, I grew up with, um, you know, both my parents worked, you know, my, my dad, his entire life had never taken a sick day until he had a hernia rupture at work. Like my dad was extremely hard worker and my mom, you know, she worked for newspaper. So she was gone for work by five and didn't come home to, you know, to seven. But I I never resented my parents for that because it actually, um, you know, I'm still very close to my mom and dad. I literally call them on the phone every day. I'm 35 and I still talk to my parents like darn near daily. I'm very fortunate to, have that relationship with them. Um, but it, like, I, yes, I would have liked to have spent more one-on-one time, but also I, I am, it did install like good worth at work ethic in me. Like I saw how hard they were cause they weren't doing it for like, they were just doing it to make sure that our family was provided for. And you know, when, when they were calm, they were really attentive. And I hope, you know, I hope my kids, even though, you know, working in the industries that we work in, you know, sometimes you have full all nighters and that stinks and it's, it shouldn't be the case, but it it does happen. And I, you know, I hope my kids can see that, you know, even if I, you know, I'll make sure that I I do make sure I have a hard stopping point, even if I have to go back afterwards, you know, to, um, you know, do bedtime routine and, you know, do, you know, plus I cook dinner and every, you know, did the mom stuff every night. But, um, I really hope my kids see that, you know, that, but I hope, and I'm always afraid that like, it, it doesn't become like an absentee parent type of thing. And I, like, I see that a lot of that's romantic. Like I wouldn't, I don't know, romanticize it's probably the wrong word, but they, they put that in everything in fiction. And I hope that's not the case I project to my kids. I noticed that like a, a buddy of mine used to work at EA back when they had that lawsuit about uh, mm-hmm. uh, working overtime. The game mm-hmm. industry is notorious about this. I know. But uh, mm-hmm. I think the culture of like, especially as artists, we are starting to kind of like assert ourselves the fact that like we're growing up and having families and understanding like, hey, we're being exploited in the system. We need to have a proper checks and balances so we have a, a broader mm-hmm. social life. And how we're relating to our families in comparison to how our, uh, how our parents related to us is becoming a huge sticking point because we don't want to work those like, because I mean, growing yeah, up. Yeah, exactly. 
yeah, we don't want to be an exploited workforce anymore. We want to contribute better and have more fulfilling lives in the short time we have on our planet. So working ourselves into the grave, like most of our parents had to do or have done, is not necessarily beneficial. And I don't know if that's changing or not in, society, in uh, Japan. So it's interesting how, like, culturally how we see these characters who we've learned to grow and respect how mm-hmm. their these these origins come from how society and how their societies have operated for so long. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I agree with with you, Brian. I mean, I also had parents or I had a I had a dad who was very um, work hardy. I don't know, workaholic. I don't know what you want to call it. But it's it's made me really appreciate time that I have at home, <laughs> able to spend with my wife and, you know, hopefully one day be able to spend uh, with my kids, um, you know, because I it, it, it makes me value that all the more. Um, so, I, I mean, kind of related uh, the the kind of wrap up question, I think, you know, inherited will uh, is such an important part of one piece. So I would ask what dreams have you inherited from your parents that you hope to pass along um i i get i guess for me is i just always wanted a family um you know my my parents didn't both my mom and dad didn't um uh didn't have parents that both my both my mom and dad both had both their parents you know pass away at a very young age um and so i you know i didn't grow up with grandparents but um I, my mom always wanted for us, you know, was just find a way to have, you know, my, for my sister and I to have family. And I always wanted a big family. And I know a lot of people in my industry don't necessarily want to have a lot of kids. And I'm like, I'm so happy for having three. (laughs) Um, uh, I guess that's, you know, I just wanted to have, my parent always wanted to have a happy, healthy family. And that's what I want. I mean, that's, that's kind of all. And I hope, you know, I hope for my kids that, you know, they, no, no matter which way they decide to form a family, um, I want them to just be happy and be surrounded by people that always love them. That's, you know, no career pressures or anything like that. I just want them to be able to be comfortable with people, whether they grow themselves or choose it, you know, <laughs> always have be surrounded by people that love them. I, um, yeah, it's been really interesting. Uh, I was, <laughs> I was scared out of my mind to have, uh, uh, to have kids. I'm, I'm an only child. Um, like you, all of my relatives, uh, uh, died off when I was, uh, young. So it was just me and my mom and my dad. Um, I didn't, I didn't know if I had like the concept of large extended family is really alien to me. Um, like, uh, the, the movie Summer Wars affected me really greatly because my wife has a huge family and they were all so... Yeah. Oh my gosh, same! Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when like, he meets all the Jinouchis and he's just overwhelmed by them and they're so familiar and so welcoming. Like I was like, oh no, that's that's you! That's you! That's your family! Um, so like... Um, so it's... it's just just having kids i uh uh it, it scared the living bejeebus out of me and like now that i it was worse for my first mm-hmm. for my first child than, than my second because i knew what to expect after, after my second but even with the second i was still worried the first time it was just can i do this will i be a good dad you know it do i have this this part of me inside of myself it's a real test having kids is a real test uh, uh, uh of who you are it reveals a lot about who you are um they're uh, uh, like mm-hmm. I, there are both ways in which I have surprised myself 
positively and ways I have surprised myself negatively when it comes to raising my children. It's mm-hmm. been a, 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 a crucible. And having the second child, having our second child, our, our, our little baby girl, like I was, I didn't know if I could have enough love for my children. Like that, you know, because I've never seen, <laughs> I've never seen two, two parents love two children. I've only seen two parents love one child. It takes all your love to love one child. I didn't understand that you just make more love. Um, so like uh, what I hope to, I think, I think there are some dreams that my children are giving to me. I think one of the things that, that I'm realizing is that actually your children give you dreams that actually being with them, seeing the world through their eyes, understanding the promises you are making to them and the contracts you are forming with them and the bonds you are forging with them. There are dreams that I didn't have before my children that I have now. I have responsibilities and goals and journeys to take that I didn't have before I had my son, before I had my daughter. And then I have, and so it's it's almost not not so much what I want to give to my children. I did I, I I can I can hope and try to give my give it to my children. My, my but like my parents' goal for my for me was to be an electrical engineer. That really didn't work out. The whole math thing was a real bust. So like I don't know what I can give to my children that they'll carry. Like and like Anthony said, like it's up to your child to to uh, to find out what it is. Uh, really dumb, but like you know what what's a really good piece of writing is the uh opening to episode two of outlaw star uh, outlaw star the the boy deserves the right to yeah dream. i know exactly and like mean. but it's true like, <laughs> children you know there's there's all these possibilities and who knows but like i know me i'm a i'm a fixed uh, uh i'm a fixed point at this uh at this stage and so they're giving me things to do they're giving me uh, places to be they're giving they're giving me a man to become but also <laughs> I think if there is a goal, a dream that I want to instill in them, I think that this time that we live in right now, one of the things that has been stunning me are the ways in which the moralities and lessons that my parents taught me seemingly have evaporated from their lives. And and I don't want to go into like, political specifics here yeah. but there are yeah I, yeah let's get specific no, well, like, let's go like, <laughs> well like 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 just just in terms of like because <laughs> my parents are my you know i grew up in super conservative uh uh midwest like my parents uh, uh are lifelong republicans i grew up republican it wasn't until i went off to art school that i realized that like oh there's other options but like now i don't i just simply can't conceive <laughs> of how because you know, I was also raised religious. I'm still religious. I'm still a Christian. They're still Christian, but I, like, I cannot square the teachings of Jesus Christ. If like, oh, you actually believe what you know? If if you believe what your Christ says, I don't see how you can square that with the way that like your party is behaving right now. I can't see how you can square that with, you know, when there's when there's police brutality out there. I can't see how you can square your personal yeah. beliefs and the things that you I, taught me, the things that. I have a similar I have a similar add to that because like I grew up my parents are democratic I grew up Baptist but I'm not uh, religious at all I'm an atheist but my dad's a, a former police officer and even he during the uh, the Ferguson uprising had a very disappointing take about like well you know just the boys shouldn't have been out on the street I'm like 
this is a black mm. child who was murdered because a cop got too scared. Even if he had did the crime he was accused of, which they had him on tape, there's no reason that should have been a justifiable death sentence. And for a man who grew up during the civil rights movement, like literally my dad graduated, was like the last segregated class in Texas. So he knew about the importance about how black men and black people in our society is vilified. And yet even he couldn't break the conditions under which he grew up under the society. And it was like more recently in the past couple of years, I've never been more disappointed in my parents. And that's really a hard reality to kind of figure. Because even on other takes about like uh, LGBT issues and women's issues, my parents have always been pretty good. Like my dad's a cop, but he was the first person to kind of like reiterate like, prostitution is not the problem it's the fact that it's illegal is the problem that these women can no longer control their bodies because they're at the mercies of these like criminal johns and these horrible pimps that like women should just be able to control what they want and it wouldn't be a problem and i remember hearing that from my dad i'm like right on dude you got that stuff but like but to hear him have to have this take about these recent uprising i'm just like i don't know what it's going to take sometime so even regardless of liberal conservative it's just the fact at some point this is why i have faith in like the children in the future because like they'll be better than us i really want them to be better than us i like i I, it's hard for me to imagine and as a parent seeing you know the stuff that happened to george floyd and when he crawls out for his like it's hard for me to talk about without even choking up when he calls Mm -hmm. out for his mom how could any parent not be raged like I don't care how old, you know, I don't you care if he's grown yeah. that man, when someone calls up for their parents for help, calling up for their mommy, you know, like it's hard. Like I just it's one of those things that just I yeah. you know, I you know, I grew up, you know, with you know, a religious background, but my parents are uh, my parents are very chill. <laughs> um, but you know, so they they definitely see the injustice and stuff like that. But um, you know, and I, I still have I still have my personal faith. Um, but when I see stuff, you know, that's going on in the world and I just think that, you know, uh, on, from, because of a religious, you know, just, just as a religious or whatever, as a human standpoint, I don't, I don't see, you could see stuff that's going on right now and not mm-hmm. have your heart break. And I think, you know? yeah, I think, uh, one of the things, and I know that y'all have talked about this on the podcast before, but is that like, uh, one piece is inherently political. And if you're reading one piece in a way that does not include politics, you're reading it wrong. <laughs> exactly uh, oh, and yeah. it's like i mean and on its face like <laughs> from from the very beginning you see like oh not all pirates are necessarily bad guys and oh not all government are necessarily good guys uh and like that's clear like to a child from the very beginning yeah. um and that it's mm. not you know it's not like your station in life you know it's it's not the the uniform that you put on it's like what's what's inside that uniform like what's inside your mm. heart that makes you a good guy or bad guy uh, and we are, we're seeing that play out in the real world right now. A hundred percent agree. Yeah. Um, I think that, I think in our parents' generation, it was nailed into them. Um, you know, the world is black and white. And while there are, you know, there are. And they had to drink from good, separate fountains. <laughs> yeah, and, yes, they did. Oh, <laughs> Oh, wow, I didn't mean it that way, but that actually matches too. Uh, yeah. My mom grew well, up in Oakland, so she was she was a little bit more, uh, oh, yeah. a little bit Oakland's, more. Oakland's down. Uh, I got I got grandparents up in Oakland. Yeah, so my my parents are you know born and raised Northern California, um, so they they grew up in a little bit more liberal area. But um, oh, and I no, don't. I definitely know. grew up in North Carolina, where there was still segregation happening in the eighties. <laughs> Oh my Jesus. gosh! Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I have to see that. That's um, that's America. 
I know. <laughs> That's all is. the country. Oh, yeah. You know, and my husband's family is Southern, but I, ironically, I felt like that, you know, um, I'm Hispanic mix. And um, uh, I ironically, I felt like that I, the few times that I've dealt with personal racism, um, uh, but I, uh, you know, has actually happened in Northern California, not when we were living in the South, which I was like, oh, and everyone in the South was. So I guess, you know, you're going to find pockets of pockets of smart and pockets of dumb, no matter where you're going to go, unfortunately. So, um, but yeah, but I, I think that our parents were raised in a different climate, but you know, we're all living in this climate now. So well, there's kind of no excuse. Just to, uh, so. <laughs> just to finish up my thought. Um, it's true. So we have, we, we have seen that just because our parents taught us things, because like you learned, you learned your morality from your parents. We all had, we all love our parents or by and large, we love our parents. We all, we all learned something from our parents we'll carry that seed with it uh within ourselves but we can also see how they have let us let it down we'll see how they haven't lived up yeah to the ideals that they raised us to and i think the dream that i have for my children that i hope to pass on to them and the dream that i have for myself to be an example to them is to live up to the promise of the ideals that i teach them and for them to live up to the, the promise of the ideals that they uh that they have that they have courage in the face of injustice, that they stand up for what's right, that mm. when that when the, the, the when the world government uh, 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 denies the humanity of their friends, they'll declare war on the world to get them back. Like that's that's how I want my children. Right? Yeah. How could how could people say that one piece is not political? Because that yeah. feels, <laughs> feels very relevant. Yeah. Sit them down with Water Seven and say, "Okay, let's talk about that." <laughs> That's, that's for a whole set of reasons. Uh, I, I go ahead, go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, I. No, Dan. Uh, I'll make this quick. I, yeah, I, um, just as a quick aside, I don't know how you can watch people scream out, "I'm hurting," and not have empathy for them at times like this. It's it's absurd. Um. Yeah. When when the dispossessed. Uh, and the unfortunate call for your aid, your first response should not be, well, I don't know. You're, well, I, you know, I think a, it's, a, a broader part of that is just like we've mentioned before, it's the generation our parents grew up in. It wasn't just that they're old, so they're bad, or they're just set in their ways. They were also propagandized to see the world a certain way. And yeah. One mm-hmm. Piece deals with this a lot about how media influences how the mm-hmm. world sees the truth. Yeah. And if anything, that that missing eight hundred years we don't know about, that's going to be really interesting when all that comes to just one hundred. We know the other. Oh, eight, sorry, yeah, eight hundred years ago, one hundred <laughs> missing. Sorry, I misspoke. Yeah. But you know, and like, yeah, Dan, you go first, and then David. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Um, I did the just to, what we were talking about earlier, really quick. I didn't. I never thought that I'd be the kind of person that would have kids. I whenever my friends. After college, or even in college, when my friends told me about it, I always like was like, "Well, I'm a goofy artist, you know. I'm just not built for it." Whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, but you know, I met my lovely wife, who instilled in me things that I never knew that I wanted, uh, like marriage and having a family, and it's not anything that I'd ever even considered. Um, and it's, I slowly began to realize that I love, I love the idea of having more of a family. And, you know, my, my, my parents have always been 
at their best, like the most responsible people I've ever met. They've always, their, their number one instinct for me and my siblings was always to just take care of us and to do their best for us. Um, and I remember like, a, like my son was born two months premature and like the first mm-hmm. month was so hard. He was in the, he was in the NICU ward for a month and then he came home oh, and he had, I'm sorry. he, we had to wake up every 90, well, we had to wake up about every 45 minutes for a few weeks because he needed that much food if he was going to grow and thrive. Um, and, you know, I, he had terrible reflux, so he, you know, could not stop spitting up. He'd spit up half of his meals. And I remember like a few months into it, like I called my, I called my dad and I was like, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I'm doing something wrong. I feel like no one's happy. I feel like my son's not happy. I feel like everyone's unhappy with me. And he was like, you just, you just gotta, you just gotta work through it. You just gotta keep going. It gets better. I promise. I promise it gets better. Um, and it has gotten better. It's gotten infinitesimally better. Um, my son's the happiest kid I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, but I, and they just came in the door right now. Awesome. But (laughs) I, I, if there's anything that my parents passed down to me, it's just like, it's so, it's just, when even when times are hard, you you take care of people. You just keep going. You just gotta. It's sometimes it sucks. Sometimes you wonder if like some if you've never experienced that kind of like love before, as I had for my child. You wonder if you're messing everything up. And no, I I I wasn't messing everything up. I was a new dad, but I it 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 was hard, and I just had to push through it because the more openly better days would come and each day got better and better and better as it went along. And I think that's like the, that's kind of um, something that I strive for with my children where not every day is going to be incredible, but with enough work and with enough love for others and enough love for yourself, it'll, it'll get better. Yeah. And I just, my guess is that like, some some of the people that are listening to this right now uh, are parents, and if you are, uh, if you are, you're doing a good good job. Uh, it's hard right now. Give yourself a break. And but also some of the people who are listening, it's hard always. Give yourself a break. Um, <laughs> Amen. There's also people who are listening to this right now who maybe they're thinking about having kids. Maybe they're uh, maybe it's scary to them. It was scary to me, and I just want to say like. If you are thinking about having kids, and it is a strange time on planet Earth right now, it is a scary time. There is a lot of stuff going on. If you are on the fence about having kids, let me just let me just say that not only is it a blessing, not only will it change your life in very good ways and in ways you cannot uh, imagine, not only will it show you who you are in a way that you did not know before, but also if you are afraid of what the future holds for your kids, understand that your kids are also what shapes that future. And if the, if the idea about, uh, uh, of the future scares you, if you think that there's too many societal problems, if you think there's too many environmental problems, how can we surmount them all? Well, it's going to take really good people to do that. It's going to take really smart, wonderful people who are raised by very good parents to do that, who are given opportunities, who people fought for. And you can be that person. You can be that person to another person. David, I feel like you're talking directly to me. 
Uh, no, I mean, I'm into this. I'm here for this whole conversation. This yeah. is like, yeah. if you want to become the ultimate hero, be a parent and be like an involved parent. Right. I like, think David's yeah. making a shonen series about being a parent. Yeah. Do you want to enter the ultimate training arc? Then have a baby. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, it was it was scary to me when I before I started. Honestly, uh, uh, Holden, Ashley, like you were people that inspired me to have kids because I was like, I don't think I can do this as an artist. We've got crazy uh, workloads, and I saw that you guys had kids. I was like, oh, maybe actually you can work this. Maybe this is actually possible. Like if you're out there and you're on the fence and you're like, I need to talk to somebody about like what does that actually like. Go ahead, shoot me a DM. Uh, on Twitter, I'm at Ycarps. Uh, you might need to follow and like follow me back. But like, go ahead, because like these again, this stuff can be very, very scary, and it is. I can promise you, it's it's worth it. Hey, that's well. First of all, David, I'm really super flattered. <laughs> my cheeks are red right now for you saying that. Um, I just my note is I feel like being a parent has not only am I making three of the raddest little humans ever to grace this planet. They're, I mean, they're, my kids are funny and beautiful and kind and so smart. But I think because of how good they are, they've made me a better person. They've made me a harder worker. They've made me a softer person. I have more patience. And uh, I, I don't know. I, I think that... Um, uh, you can always strive to be better. The only day that you fail is the day you stop learning. And you trust me, you're going to learn a lot having kids. <laughs> so, well, my um, number one favorite thing too about, about that specifically is, um, and I think this, I was having a conversation with a friend a few weeks ago about this same thing. Uh, and like Ashley had mentioned, like the kind of the differences just uh, culturally in the generations, like our parents' generation versus our generation is like, I'm not afraid to admit to my kids when I messed up. Like I apologize to my children multiple times every day. Yeah. And like, mm -hmm. and like when you are transparent with them and go, Hey, like, I'm going to be real honest with you. Like I'm making this up. I've never been a dad before. So like, I'm really sorry. Like I messed this thing up or like, I'm really sorry. I shouted at you when you did such and such. And like, I should have reacted better. And like the more that I'm transparent like that, yeah notice that stuff right like they're yeah. not stupid they go oh man like dad apologizes and like and that's one of the things that we try and nail home mm. for our children it's like hey like i'm not expecting perfection out of you and like you're gonna mess up a lot in life but if you're the kind of person that can go oh i screwed up and admit it to yourself and admit it to others like you will go far in life that's so funny you mentioned that because I saw there's a meme going around on Twitter right now about that says apologize like your parents and the, the the whole comment section is sad and I'm like oh my god I never want to be that parent because you know when my kids mess up and I get mad or and stuff like that you know I make sure we talk it out and and I always want I I always want my kids to know that they that if I say I'm sorry and they can forgive me, I want them to know that if they do something that they mess up, they can come to me and tell me I'm sorry and showing, showing apologize, being apologetic and forgiveness were so huge. And I like that seeing that Twitter thread of like, like I like it had like 8,000 retweets last time I saw of like of just of parents from our generation, just not being able to apologize. And 
no, no, I don't ever want that for my kids. You know, I make sure to say, I'm sorry, you know, if mommy gets mad about something or, you know, like, oh, but I'm, you know, like, I'm sorry, I messed up, baby. And like, you know, if if mommy's daddy's, everyone makes boo-boos, you know? (laughs) I I think that's like such a, it's such a new concept. Shannon, go ahead. I was going to mention just from the perspective of people who have really terrible relationships with their parents, I don't, but one of my best friends right now has no contact with his parents who are both mm-hmm. very abusive. And I actually sent him that meme earlier. Someone quote tweeted it with nothing. And I thought that was funny. Like the parents don't apologize. Mm-hmm. But I think people need to understand that they're not their parents mm-hmm. necessarily. And that you can have a different life from how you were raised. Absolutely. And have like a lot of One Piece is found family. We talked about that on the queer episode. But I just because like I don't uh like I said, I'm not a parent. I don't plan to be a parent necessarily. And I know a lot of people who had very mm-hmm. severely abusive parents. I just wanted to kind of give a voice to that as well, not to like bring down the uh, warmth of the episode, but I, I, a lot of my friends as adults are kind of <laughs> like, <laughs> no, I, the I, idea of reckoning that and people I know who want to be parents is so difficult, but I know the fact that people well, care about that and want to get better um and and can be better than their parents uh, were i think is very hopeful i mean yeah and that's like the whole idea of like found family is like oh you didn't like the family Mm -hmm. you grew up in you can make one right yeah Yeah, this is chopper got beat by his like reindeer parents right they like it's like very that's one example why i liked hero luck so much as as far as like the found family in in one piece because he was completely rejected by his entire species like also like so sad some people who like you just you're not. You were not put on this earth to have kids, and that's okay. Not everybody was put put on earth uh, 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 should have kids. If you know deep in your heart, it's not. It's not for you. It's not in the cards. That's okay too. Um, but like, mm-hmm. yeah, and like he's just being honest with you know. In one piece, it. like it's, you know, and accepting people that don't want kids too. I you know when I see when I see people be nasty about like people that don't want kids, you know, that's mm-hmm. messed up. Just, just that's not for them. Yeah. Let them be comfortable Again, like, in their own skin. You know, uh, 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 it Luffy needed a uh, shanks in his life too, not just a garp. So like, it's you can if you. Uh, he still didn't. He didn't know yeah, he had so dragon like, at like all. You can even if you don't have kids of your own. I don't know how to how to say this, but like. Well, there are things that you could do to still affect the next generation. I I, I don't know if that's what you mean by that, but like all the stuff Brian was talking about, like, you know, having empathy for, for your fellow uh, people and being able to like go out and do what you can to affect change for the better. Um, Yeah. Even when it comes to other, like, like other, like uh, one piece fans on the come up and I got to get going in uh, just a little bit. Um, But uh, uh, like, being making sure that you are role models and leaders to uh, uh to younger generations there's a lot of stuff about like people pr- uh preying on kids right now and like you it is up to us as adults and you know people over the age of 20 to like lead and foster the next generation and to set good examples and uh, uh you can do that even with you know with anybody i i mean for me i know uh, I, I won't go too long since I know we've been talking for a bit, but like a, a lot of like what I've had to get through in order to be okay, like with the idea that I could one day be a parent is like self-worth issues and dealing with um, myself first. 
So then I know I could be in a position where I could care for the next generation. Um, I could care for those people that are important to me. Um, and I think, you know, to kind of tie it back to, to, to one piece, um, I think we see a lot of that journey laid raw and bare in that, you know, we're, it's not that black and white thing in order to become better people, we have to go through our own journey. And I think part of that journey for some is, you know, comes in raising a family. Um, and, you know, passing on and understanding that you're a flawed human being and, and being honest and open about that with kids is just such that's, it's really amazing to see that in all of you, because I, like, I, I don't think I had bad parents, but there definitely was that facade, at least, uh, that, you know, I don't, I can't, like, recall in a time when they apologized. And that also seems messed up, you know, as, a, as an adult looking back. Um, but it's really cool to see that going into the next generation. And, and that's definitely something nice. that's a very one PC thing, too, and that each generation could improve on the last. Um, are there, are there, there's probably a lot of final thoughts. Um, but I, I want to let you, all you guys, uh, final thoughts and, uh, where people <laughs> could find you. Um, Anthony, I'll start with you. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if I have any profound final thoughts. This has been really <laughs> uplifting to hang out with you guys and, and hear your views on this stuff too. Um, I think one piece, like any media, like you're going to, you're going to find in it what you're looking for. <laughs> um, and I think like, if you're looking for positive messages about like family and how to better yourself, like you'll find it. And if you're there just for the rad action, like you're kind of, you're kind of missing it. Like you could do a deeper read and like enjoy, there's more there. Um, you know, it's not just simple cartoons. Um, but yeah, no, I'm glad that we got to hang out. Uh, if you want to <laughs> yeah, find me online, uh, I'm, you know, on Twitter at, at Anthony Holden, where where the at is the A. Uh, Why did I just get that yeah. just now? What's that? <laughs> I just got that just now. I don't know why I never put two and two together. <laughs> uh, so that's, yeah, that's probably the easiest place to track me down online. Uh, and I'm I'm a pretty friendly guy, so you're welcome to drop me a line. No, Anthony, you have, I, I love your art and I love the wholesomeness and it's, it's, uh, it was really great to have you here and hear from you. Thank you. You know uh, what, like on, yeah. on that Chris note Russell. specifically, oh, sorry. It's just that like, I, I think that there is that sort of, like whenever I get asked this question, like if, if I ever post like a piece of fan art or things like that, people, who's your favorite one piece character? And like, I'm the cheapest date. Cause it's Luffy. Like, and Heck yeah, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't even have to think about it for very long. And I think it's just because he is the sort of dude that lives true to his heart, right? Like every emotion, if he had sleeves, they'd be on him. Right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> He's he's real apparent and and he's the kind of dude and like I really admire that way of, of being like yeah this is this is who I'm gonna be in the world and uh, you know like in the workplace for instance like people know I'm that dude that doesn't swear and doesn't watch <laughs> scary movies right like uh, and and being that guy like you know you could either be ashamed of that or you could either or you could choose to like live in a way that you're not ashamed of that and i think luffy is that person and like that's one of my favorite things about him as a character 
And I think I, we should also do, it's like a reverse icebreaker since we're doing it at the end, but can you name one movie that you were scared of as a kid that makes no sense that why you'd be afraid of that movie? It makes no sense why I was afraid. Well, no, like, like what was that one movie that like uh, stuck with you? Yeah. I, uh, sorry, I, I don't mean to jump in, but I super duper duper gotta go. Um, oh, okay, David, why why don't you? Uh, where can people find yeah. you? Uh, so um, I'm at Y Carps. That's uh, almost Sparky spelled backwards, um, but it's not. Uh, <laughs> and uh, you can just say, hey, whatever. Um, I was just on an episode of Toho Yaro covering the movie Zayram. Look that up. I, it'll probably be months in the past when this is actually posted. But it was uh, if you like me talking energetically about rubber suits uh, and monsters, that's the place to find it. And uh, this has been a real pleasure. Um, I've been uh, fans of all y'alls for a long time. Uh, it's a real pleasure to meet you guys finally. And uh, thanks for talking about families in one piece. Uh, all right. Bye. See David. Thank you, David. Bye. bye. Ashley, where could people find you? Um, I don't have any uh, deep, wonderful thoughts besides that um, if you can find something fun to enjoy your, with your family, no matter what the media is, as long as it's not like super nasty. <laughs> <laughs> find it, um, you know, find happiness with your family where you can, and especially in the scary time. Um, uh, you can find that me. Was a that was a beautiful thought. What are you talking uh, about? <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> um, uh, you can find me at on Twitter. Um, my screen name's Piawacket. And I know everyone just calls me Pi because they don't know what it's Piawacket. <laughs> um, and it's spelled uh, P-Y-A-W-A-K-I-T. Um, movie that scared me for no reason well actually i think i have a darn good reason i was terrified of dumbo as a kid reasonable um, I, the, the half the lumps were terrifying but yeah i was terrified of dumbo as a kid so anthony i'll, I'll go back to you anthony if you have yeah i'm gonna think about that <laughs> okay um oh yeah also Dan. i'm sorry i'm sorry oh. um big fan of everyone's work i've been following almost everyone here for years so kind of a little starstruck that I got to talk to y'all. So thank you. <laughs> it's, I'm sorry you only came in second place in our longest One Piece I know. fan contest. <laughs> you know, oh, I'm sorry I to be that guy. <laughs> I, I got my 20. <laughs> you, you know what? I got my 20 seconds. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> no. Nope. Uh, I, I'll, I I'll dispute that for Ashley. Yeah, no, I'll so. dispute that for <laughs> Ashley. She's been consistent. Dave, so. Dave was, uh, Anthony wasn't even reading. <laughs> no, I let you have that crown. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, I got my Dan. 20 seconds. I'm good. Man, I'm trying <laughs> Dan, to give you a break. You? <laughs> uh, yeah, people can find me on Twitter at, at Dan Doc, D A N D O C K. Uh, if you go to Crunchyroll, I've probably got an article there most of the time um uh final thoughts um one piece is good uh be good to one another tell your friends you love them uh and um yeah no shirts uh, with sleeves on them rip them off who cares i'm gonna back you up on that um, dan but yo luffy's what? wearing a bolero he's wearing he's wearing sleeves and time jump uh, <laughs> Did we all stop? Um, I, the reason why that? I bring this up because I drew a fan art of Luffy from Time Skip, and I, I ripped off his sleeve, type about and I got skip. like thirty people yelling at me about it. Wow! <laughs> it's, uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's 
pretty much uh Damn, what was the movie you were scared of as a kid though? Oh man. Okay, so it's not a movie, but you know Prometheus and Bob from uh, all that. Oh, oh my gosh, oh. yes. Yeah, like the, the I thought that was black like or yeah, Kablam. Yeah, Kablam. The yeah. like the opening, like this is the story of Prometheus and Bob, and it's like black and white, and I would like hide yes, behind the couch it. to wait for it to be over. And then Yeah, that was Kablam. Man, yeah. Kablam was I know I, I know one of the guys. It started on that, and then it went to Kablam. Yeah, I know one of the guys behind that series, by the way. Well <laughs> he ruined me. Oh, I'll tell him that. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Um, sh- yeah, go, uh, Shannon, uh, where, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Plenty of Alcoves. I'm a player on the teen superhero body horror podcast, Critical Bits, and the film correspondent for the pop culture podcast, Struggle Session. And one time when I was like nine, I was at my friend's weird new house alone awake late at night, and Night of the Comet was on TV, and it like traumatized me. And I watched horror stuff since I was young. It's like a schlocky's 80s movie. But something about Night of the Comet being alone at a weird new house when I was really young, mm. uh, that was like legit traumatizing. <laughs> if I watched it now, I'd probably think it was funny. But uh, Brian. Twitter, Dark King Zorro, all one word. Uh, DeviantArt is Bannendorf. I haven't updated in forever. I still need to put up that Jimbei pick. Uh, check out Rick and Morty. Oh, yeah, it was for great, Sean too. Klein. Yeah, thanks. Uh what else I got? Oh, yeah, Teen Titans Go. I haven't worked on there for a while. Oh, I have a new show that I was uh, supervising on called Tig and Seek on HBO Max. Check it out. It's it's family appropriate. I don't think it's too rough for kids under under four. So for any of you guys who have young ones, it should be a pretty fun kid show. I don't know. I don't have kids, so you <laughs> let me know. Uh, and it, I, I mentioned, like, <laughs> Uh, movies that scared me but like i'll talk about parts of movies which i love that have parts that scared me so uh the first ghostbusters the librarian uh the zombie taxi cab driver i had to leave the room every time and then uh pv's big adventure large marge who's the best and the clown after his bike gets stolen and terrifying i cursed again that's fine uh and what's the third one who's the third one God, I don't remember it now. So sorry. I guess asking Brian not to curse, I just realized was yeah, it's a, was, that was know. a fool's um, errand. <laughs> it was for naught. Um, I I do want to mention Lauren Orsini who had a jump. Um, she is at Forbes and Anime News Network. You could also check out her work at otakujournalist.com. Uh, you could find me at Zach underscore Logan. Uh, my final thoughts will be that this was a really awesome discussion and you all are awesome parents and it's okay if you wait until, yeah. it's okay if you wait until you're, they're nine or 10. It was so wholesome. I won't be angry about that. <laughs> wait, what's your, yeah. what's your scare, Zach? You didn't tell us. So my scare, uh, so my sister loved scary movies as a kid. She reminds me a little of Shannon there. Mm. Um, like Poltergeist <laughs> was her favorite movie growing up. Um, but we went to see a movie, which is a comedy uh, called Mars Attacks. Which oh boy! I'm sh- <gasps> that movie was scary. That oh, that's an intense. So one. it was full. It must have been like when it was first coming out. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's a comedy movie, right? Like I have not it seen it as it's an Tim adult, it's, it's cheesy as all hell. Yeah. Oh, it's Tim Burton. That explains mm. everything about my feelings about Tim Burton, mm. I guess. But anyway, we're, I remember just like sitting in the stairs in the middle of like the aisle in the back with my mom and just 
yelling in the middle of the theater the first time the someone got uh, disintegrated with the thing, you know? Which might have been Jack Black. Oh, shit. I cried because Jack Black died? Never mind. It is a super cool thing <laughs> that I'm going to brag about now, all the time. Um, no, yeah, that, that like, scarred me for a while. I, like, mortality generally was... I was a very ennui kind of kid, apparently. Um, me too. <laughs> you and me, Brian. Um, anyway, thank you guys so much for doing this. Um, I want you all back on the show again at some point. I know it's it's extremely hard to schedule as parents, but... We'll make it happen. Um, but anyway. Yeah, we, we can do this like when the kids get older and then when you got teenagers. <laughs> does that affect your parenting? Hey, can we also get a shout out to our kids for not Please. screaming and crying during this entire podcast? Absolutely. Yeah, I sent mine outside. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm so proud of my kids. They actually play quietly. This is, I need to be on podcasts more often because this never happens. You're it always welcome. <laughs> Uh, m- meanwhile, my dogs were being loud and annoying about it. And I- anyway, that's a different story. Uh, thank you all for coming on the show. We'll see you next time. Uh, thanks thank so much for having us. Bye. Nice meeting you. Have a good one. Bye, guys. Bye. A boy has the right to dream. There are endless possibilities stretched out before him. What awaits him down the path, he will then have to choose. The boy doesn't always know. At some point, the boy then becomes an adult and learns what he was able to become. Joy and sadness forever will accompany this. He is confronted with a choice. When this happens, Does he bid his past farewell in his heart? Once a boy becomes an adult, he can no longer go back to being a boy. The boy is now a man. Only one thing can be said. A boy has the right to dream. For those endless possibilities are stretched out before him. We must remember, all men were once boys.